Well, before we start today, I want to, uh, when we sing that last song uh, from the inside out, uh, there's a phrase in there, and this is, in seniors, I want you to pay attention to this, um, because this is for everybody. There's a phrase in there, I give you control, who heard that line? Does anyone cringe when they hear that? Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Control. How many of you love the illusion of control? Yeah. It makes us feel like our plans are going to happen. And it's something that uh, is very challenging because we have all these different kinds of things we want to do and we feel that we have control. The only control you have is to say yes or no to the invitation of Jesus. That's what you got because how many of you felt like you made your plans and life goes, (laughs) yeah, but yet we get back on the horse again and we make our plans. There's a reason why God says, surrender all things to me. There's a reason why. And those of you that are going off to college or doing whatever you're doing after high school, I would, I want to say this to you because I think it's the most important thing. When expectations when stuff gets in the way you always go back to being with him period because life will get complicated if it's not already (laughs) okay it'll get even more challenging but that's the place we live from because that's where real control happens one of the things i loved about this morning was seeing and and sorry Stephen, i'm going to put you if he's still here i'm going to put you on the spot was one of our high school students coming up and demonstrating, asking God, what does he want to say, and then responding. Those two questions. And I remember that night, and I remember Stephen running over to me, running over from here to there after it was over, and said, look what God did. Look what he did. I asked him this, and he said that, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm going, I need a year to process this. He listened individually, and he listened corporately. And I thought, man, that's not good for a high school student. That's good for a human being. If we could all do that and learn to get into that place of giving God the opportunity to speak to us and giving him our attention, imagine. (laughs) Just imagine. So I want to, before we get into the word this morning, I want to pray. If if you're struggling with control and it's just not working out and your remedy is more control, uh, This morning is an opportunity for us to visualize ourselves really surrendering that to the Lord. And it's hard. Because we want to feel like we have footing, but we do. And we have to trust that footing in Christ Jesus. So Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the things we're celebrating, the people we're celebrating. We thank you for our students. Lord, would you bless them? We're sending, I want you to hear this, seniors. We want to send you in the name of Jesus to be a blessing. We want to send you, and we're with you, and you have a covering here. And Lord, I pray that we would come to a place this morning where we take what we think we're controlling, and we give it to you, because when we get our hands on it, bad stuff happens. And circumstances will try to convince us that we have to take control. And our greatest form of that is to say, Lord, here it is. So I pray this morning that we would constantly seek out what you want to say to us and how we can respond and how we can posture ourselves with you. And so we thank you, Lord, and we pray um, sincerely, in a fresh way, simply have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Who was here last week? Okay. Mark did a, a wonderful, faithful job staying with Jesus 
in this series we're in of living in the tension in Romans. And remember, I want to remind you, it's not about Romans. Romans is a vehicle to help us pay attention to tensions in our lives that God is calling us to navigate. And it pokes and prods at a lot of stuff. If, who's read through Romans before? Whoa, it's heavy, correct? And it's full of tensions everywhere. And so we're going really slowly through Romans, but more importantly, we're going tension by tension. And there will be tensions that you see that we don't talk about. And that's great. Ask the Lord how he wants to navigate you through those. But last week, uh, Mark Spencer talked about verse 13, the first half of verse 13, where Paul is addressing the church in Rome and saying, I had planned to get to you. It just didn't happen. I had planned to get to you. It just didn't happen. That's my version. And I'll read it in a second. But Mark really lasered in on plans. And plans is linked with control. Okay, We make our plans. In a way, we try to... Well-intentioned, bad, doesn't matter. We try to control our environment. We make our plans, and we need to. But we always need to put them on the altar as well. So if the Lord in the middle of this wants to change what we talk about, he can do that. Because my plans stink, (laughs) really. And so Mark was addressing that. He was addressing how we need to be in communication with the Lord on our plans to surrender them. We need people. And one of the big ones is expectation which is where we're going to kind of camp today. We expect something, and when it doesn't happen, it, it does something to us. And for most of us, we don't respond really well to expectations that are disrupted. Okay? How many, how many of you are moviegoers? Anybody moviegoer? Okay. How many of you get really nervous when you read a book and they make a movie about it? Or are they going to ruin my 14 hours on the couch? Are they going to destroy this character? One of the things that I, I, I growing up, I'm, and even today, I, I am a comic superhero nerd. Love it. And one of the greatest things that, uh, as the, the inner kid within me, is all of these comic books that you just, you dreamed about and you were just like envisioning in your mind are now being put into movies. Yeah, it's awesome and it's not. Because you walk into that theater with expectations. And you sit down you're ready to go. You've got your popcorn. You've got, you know, a, a, a cup that should not be that big. You drink it, you're going to miss half the movie anyway. And you're sitting there ready to go. Is what, is, is what about to happen? Is what I'm going to see going to meet my expectation? And the minute it doesn't, the minute it doesn't, you can no longer engage what's happening in front of you in the way that hopefully you're meant to, to let that story interpret itself. But we've already shut it down. How many have done that? I have a rule. Unless the movie is just horrible, regardless of expectation, if it's just horrible, um, I will always watch it twice. One's to get rid of my expectation, and the other to see it the way it's meant to be seen. So... If, if I watch something, I go, wow, that didn't meet my expectations. That was a l- really weird. It was all right, but I, I have to get my mind right. So I'll watch it again. I go, oh, now I can see it for what it is. Okay? And movies are great practice for relationship with Jesus, relationship with people, because we begin to see I have to be present with the living God in the midst of the present. <laughs> 
Because with people, you don't always get a second chance. How many have wanted to go back and I wish I wouldn't have put my expectations on someone or this or that, and it's too late? Okay? We do that. Our expectations, when they're defeated, we can no longer stay in the pocket of what's happening in front of us and interpret correctly because our expectations have been disappointed. Now, praise God, we have a magnificent God who goes beyond our expectations, but we have to be able to go there with him. So today we're going to do the second half of 13, and we're going to get into 14 and 15 as well. And I want to say this. Paul, Paul's intentions are clear. You're going to hear the word intentions. You're going to hear expectations. You're going to hear an eagerness. How many get, when, when God reveals himself, you get really eager to do something about it? Anybody? You're like, whoa, I'm charged up. Let's do this stuff and put it on a t-shirt. It's amazing. Anybody? Yeah, you get really charged. So, I want that stuff to be swirling in your head. So here we go. I'm going to read from beginning of verse 13, go through 15. I want you to listen as best you can. I want you to listen. If you have your Bibles, please get them out. Romans 1, verses 13 through 15. Paul saying this to the church in Rome. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now. That's what Mark covered last week. Paul had plans, expectations, they weren't met. In order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles, his intention, his expectation of results. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Okay, in order that, that means right there, in order that, I, I plan to come to you in order that I might have a great harvest among you. We see the expectation. We see what he intended to have happen. Now, Paul is not the kind of guy that's going, I'm going to have a harvest amongst you, and it's about me. Saul to Paul, baby. I've been transformed, and I'll transform you. That's not what he's doing. Here's the harvest. No, he knows that he is, that Jesus is with him, and in and the empowering presence and power of the Holy Spirit is doing all the things that he's seeing. And he wants to see that happen in Rome. He's hearing about faithfulness. He's hearing about some obedience and some of those things, and that gets him charged up. But he, he, wants, to be, he wants them to know what he knows about Jesus. He wants, he wants them to know the intimacy. And so... The harvest, he wants to see the fruit of being with Jesus, not just being obedient. Obedience comes out of being with Jesus and our love for him. And before we go further, a few weeks ago, I, uh, the last time I spoke, I gave you guys a question that God had been asking me. Does anyone remember that question? Why do you love me? Who pondered that at all afterwards? Did that torment you like it's still tormenting me in a good way? Yeah. Because if we're disconnected, with why we love him. I love him, but if I don't know why, I can get on my horse and start doing things out of my love for him, but I'm not anchored in the reasons why I do. And by the end of the day, I can miss him. Even though I'm doing all these wonderful things out of my love for him, I can become so disconnected with why I love him because you kind of go through the motions. And if you think 
or feel that you've arrived and you, you know what you're called to do and, and that's great. Some of us search our whole lives to figure out what we're called to do. And once we do and we're going, we're like, what's going on? Sometimes we're, we, we're disconnected. It's like, this should be different. I should feel different. But we disconnect because we've got to remember why we love him because then everything pours out of that. And Paul, that's what he's doing. Paul's life was topsy, it was turned over, topsy-turvy when he met Jesus. Bam, ambush on the road to the mask. Boom. Everything changed. He's not, he's not writing this letter so that people will obey more laws and do all this. That will happen out of this love relationship with Jesus. And he wants them to be obsessed with him the way that he's obsessed. And so he says in verse 14, I'm obligated. Now, when you hear that word, you get jazzed. Pumped up. Man. God, it's going to be a good day. I'm obligated to you. That has a negative connotation to us most of the time. Most of the time it does, does it not? And Paul is addressing both Greeks and non-Greeks. And and Greek was the language that was being spoken. There's a lot going on. So what he's saying is everybody. I'm obligated to preach the gospel to everybody. Everybody. And Paul, it's not an obligation out of a contractual agreement where if he doesn't, he's getting sued or he's getting put in jail or whatever. No, it's something he stepped into because of a love relationship. And it's a positive, it's a get to, not a have to. I'm obligated, my call out of my love for God is to preach the good news to everyone, which means those of you who have walked in here feeling like you're not worthy or this or that, this is meant for you too. Because he says the wise and the foolish. How many of you felt foolish? Yeah, guess what? The gospel's still for you. Jesus is still for you. It doesn't matter what condition you walked in here with. The gospel is for you. Now, let's talk about that. Because Paul says, I want to preach the gospel. I'm eager to. I'm chomping at the bit. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm going to preach the gospel... To Christians? Remember, he's writing Christians. Why is he preaching the gospel again to Christians that have already received and accepted and repented? Why? Well, when you look in the Greek, when Paul, when it says the gospel, Paul's idea of the gospel goes beyond just salvation. Part of that, that's part one. But it gets you to part two, living daily in his presence. And how many of you got that mastered? If you did, we wouldn't be here for encouragement. Right? We're all stepping into that day by day. And it's no different. Paul is doing exactly what I'm doing. Posture ourselves with Jesus to be a model of what it means to live out his daily presence. And that's what Paul's talking about. And he's eager to do so. But guess what? His expectations... We're trumped by God's reality. That's what happened. But he has surrendered. He's absolutely surrendered. And so he's willing to go wherever God wants to go. So with us, the tension is this. We're going to have expectations because, because we love God. So my expectation as a Christian is that I'm now going to serve God. Who has that? That's a 
It's great to serve God. But here's what can happen. If we take obligation, if we take eagerness, if we take intention and expectation in an unhealthy way, even to healthy things, we're going to miss the mark. If we go, well, because I love God, it means I've got to do this, and then we neglect the presence of God and being anchored and centered or centered in, in his presence and what God wants to say to us in the moment, then who cares about that stuff? Because we'll still be lost. We'll still be lost. And our circumstances, whether they're good or bad, both good and bad can keep you from the presence. Both good and bad. I've had circumstances all around me that were great, and I was disconnected from God. Meaning, I've, I've chosen not to engage him. It doesn't mean he's not there. He's there. But I've chosen not to engage him. And that's a challenging thing. Who's done that? Your circumstances are good, so we neglect. My circumstances are bad, so I neglect. What? So circumstances aren't reliable. Expectations, when they are diminished or when they're not fulfilled, they give us a different reality that we have to deal with. The different circumstances, and whether they're good or bad, those circumstances are not reliable to make my next choice. I need the very presence and leading of God in my life, and I can only do that if I continue to engage him and ask him and surrender to him. It's the only way that happens. Now, God can get our attention, but again, we have to say yes to the engaging what he's getting our attention of. Now, I'm going to be as vulnerable as I can be with you today. So forgive me later, okay? Thank you. Um, back in April, the end of April, right before Sharon went on her trip, um, a few of us from the staff went down to San Diego to go to an ARC, the Alliance Renewal Church's retreat. And some of the most wonderful people, some of the most wonderful leaders around the country that I just love to be around. But I was in a place where circumstances on the Christian paper were awesome. Things are, there's always challenges when you're a church, right? There's always challenges, places for us to grow. I get that. But there are signs of life. And those signs of life encourage me. And they say, hey, we're on the right track. Keep plugging away. There will be challenges, but I'll be with you. Keep plugging away. So on paper, I'm like, church, good. Love my wife. Love my kids. Good. Love the people I work with. Actually, I get to share life with. Good. Why am I so miserable? I was miserable. I love God. Why am I miserable? The circumstances look good. Why am I miserable? I love God. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in that place, I don't care if you're the Pope himself. If you're annoying me, peace out. (laughs) When you're at that place where you're miserable and you're looking for a way out of whatever that is, and then you feel worse because there's no reason for you to be miserable, but you're miserable. And then that one person comes. And I felt like I go to this place, I'm expecting, I'm like, oh, I want an encounter. But the day I leave, Mark goes through his challenging stuff. The day I leave, you know, just challenges happen all over the place. And then now, isn't that always the way? You got something on your calendar you're looking forward to, and something happens. 
that just messes with all of that. See, circumstances aren't reliable for life. They're not reliable because my circumstances say I should be good, but I wasn't. Or circumstances say you shouldn't be good, and I'm still not. And so I was miserable on this retreat. I felt dismissive of people. I didn't, if you, man, if you annoy me, Sharon, Sharon, what I love about Sharon and Mark is they'll say it as it is. And Sharon has once said to me, and I'm sorry, Sharon, but it was, it was more at my detriment, not yours. You don't have any grace when you're irritated, do you? And I went, zilch. Zero. It's true. It's, an, it's a perfect, perfect observation. Grace goes out the window. How many are like that? Join me. Join me. So I'm going, I feel like I'm going to die. When I get back, I'm like, what do I, what's going to happen? What's going on? So the Lord's faithfully gets me the next day, next day, next day. Then I go on this wonderful six-day vacation with my beautiful wife with no kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Longest I've been with her without anybody since we were married. And that had been 10 years. And I get back and people go, yeah, well, another 25 before that happens. <laughs> wow, you know what? You know what, church? Great encouragement. You know. <laughs> But the Lord said to me, I remember sitting on the deck, and I had said this a couple weeks ago. He said to me, do you love me? And I went, oh, okay, here we go, the Peter thing. (laughs) Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Let's get on with it. That's how I'm feeling. But he says, why do you love me? Oh, that was a harder question. Why? And for me, I was able to get to the point, well, it's because you're safe. Okay, so I'm thinking, great, I've had my breakthrough, now the next 10 years. You can spend your life going, why do I love you? This is why I love you, and live out of that, and this and that. Well, then Father's Day came. Does anyone know what Father's Day is? We know what Mother's Day is, right? Father's Day? Nobody? Nobody was a bad joke, but. (laughs) But Last week was Father's Day? Yes? Okay, I had an expectation. Oh, everyone knows that. Oh, I did. I had an expectation. I'm going, I don't have to preach. I don't have to service lead. I can just be with people. Awesome. And I get home and I'll get doted on. Double awesome. I won't have to mess around with the kids. Shanna will do that. This will be great. And all was going according to plan. Oh, it was. It was good. And... One of my kids, you know, said something. And normally, they would say that, and it wouldn't bother me. But in that moment, in the midst of expectation, in the midst of kind of getting out of the other side of this, whatever funk I was in, hit me. and went through all my defenses. and went through every wall I could put up. And, and pierced me like a double-edged sword in the wrong way. And I was so hurt by it. Because as parents, we say this, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. It was even worse. I teach my kids eye contact so they know that, you know, serious. And they said it with their eye. I mean, just look at me. And when they said that, I mean, it was horrible. And I told Shannon, I went downstairs, and and I'm like tearing up. I said, I got to go. I just got to get out of the house, which is not like me. I usually want to deal with it, but I needed to go. So I... You know, I put in my woe is me playlist. You know, 
It's like music Hagen does for when you're feeling bad. And I get on my skateboard and I go. I go, yeah, my skateboard, believe it or not, it's, I still can do that. And, and I'm so, so broken. Because it wasn't even so much that encounter, it was just what it did to everything else that was happening. And so I, the Lord says to me, I want you to go here. And it was this hill on these trails that was kind of secluded, even though there was a neighborhood nearby. And there was this tall grass, and you, has anyone seen Michael Bay films like Armageddon or Transformers? There's always these light flares that happen, and the, you know, the sun is all beautiful. And, it's like, and there's this beautiful tree, and the sun was coming through, and this song comes on. It's amazing how God orchestrates healing moments. Everything is right. Even the, the internal soundtrack is right. And I'm hearing the song, Heaven is All Around Us, and I feel the weeping is coming. And I sit there and I look and I just start worshiping. And I start feeling God's presence. And I'm going, oh, this is good. Okay, maybe I'll be all right. And I hear Lord say, put down your skateboard. No, I don't want to. Put down your skateboard. Gentle. He was gentle. He said, just put it down. So I put it down. I want you to walk into the field. No. Just walk into the field. No, I hate ticks. Ain't going to happen. I said that to him. Not trying to be funny. I said that to him. I don't like ticks. I already have diabetes. Lyme's disease is not on the menu. I said that to him. And it was just like a good day. Just, just do it. I'm like, all right. So then I got, you know, heavens all around us. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm walking to the field. This is a Julie Andrews moment. The hills are alive. I'm feeling it. And I do humor with God because I'm uncomfortable. It's a defense mechanism to dismiss the reality of what he wanted to do because my expectations have been destroyed. What I wanted had been destroyed and my heart was hurting and I just didn't know how to receive. He still wanted to do good things. So I go to the field and I see this stump and I heard him say, go sit on the stump. I don't want to sit on the stump. It's a stump. Go sit on the stump. God, if I wanted to sit down, I would have stayed at home. Just sit on the stump. Again, gentle. And in threes, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Freaky. So I go, and I sit down. And as soon as I sit down, I begin to weep. Okay, look, my expectation's gone. I'm hurt. Everything should be right. I'm do, I feel like I'm doing the right things. I'm, I feel like I'm being faithful in my call. But one of my kids can say something, and I'm done. And I said, Lord, I'm so hurt by my child. I'm so hurt. And he goes, welcome to my heart. <sighs> but I'm still here with you, even when you dismiss me. And then I'm really crying. And I'm no longer paying attention that the bark on the stump is this far away, and there's spiders and everything. It didn't matter. And then you start being aware of where you are, and then I'm starting to think about the giving tree, you know. <laughs> you just naturally go there. It's a giving tree moment. But I started, I made a mistake by pulling on that thread. 
And I, I said, Lord, I don't want to hurt you. And I heard him say, neither do your kids. They're kids. They're reacting. But your job is to do what I do and is to be present. For as this stump is present with you, even when you've torn it down, I am also present with you, even when I'm torn down. And he said, go be with your kids. And so I went. See, here's, here's the thing. Paul is what he's trying to say in all of this is that we need to be present with him as he's present with him. That's what he wants to preach about. Because our expectations don't come close to the reality of what God wants to do. I wanted to, I wanted to just sink in my despair. I wanted to play my woe is me soundtrack. And God says, no, that's not what I have for you. You might feel like a stump, but that's how I feel all the time. But my love for you will never, ever, ever stop. I will always be present. You may not always engage me, but I will always be present giving you the opportunity to engage me. Don't rob your kids of that. So I went. And my kids just hugged me and loved me. They didn't want to hurt me. They were reacting. How often do we react? Plans out the window. It's about surrender and being present with the living God. Do not try to trick yourself into making something about Jesus that it's not. It's not just about mission work. The mission work is exemplifying and modeling a present relationship with Jesus. No one will know how to be present if you don't show them. We may feel like we have nothing to offer. We may feel like we don't have any gifts, which is not true. We may feel like we are that stump. But as that stump was, it was present. And I could at least sit down. And you know what God said to me? This is your seat of honor. I hate it when he does all that to me (laughs) in one encounter. It's too overwhelming. And it takes a lifetime to process. What he has for you is a seat for, of honor, and it's not just so you can have a banqueting table. It's not just so that you, you can be in a safe place away from separation or from hell or whatever. It's so that you can simply be in his presence. And what kills me is people that want to go to heaven but don't want to be with Jesus. Because guess what? He's going to be there 24-7 all the time. And the attention won't be on you, it will be on him. The way is clear. The practice of the way is hard. We want to stay present with Jesus. Amen? Oh, I want to crawl in the ball and cry. Just let God hug me, which he is. Thank you, Lord. We're going to... Enter in communion. And as we do that, I want to bring your attention to something. I grew up uh, in the church, and when communion came around, I'm like, oh, here we go. And we did it in a real intimate way um, where the pastors and leaders would ask the Lord what he wants to say about each person, and then you'd have to make eye contact with them as they bless you. And then they read your mail. And you're like, I didn't want anyone to know that. God, thank you. But I looked at communion as an opportunity to get a free snack at one point. I did. I think, thank you, John. 
Okay, that one's... Okay. And as I've gotten older, and as God has made the way clear to me to his heart, and how to live that out clear to me, communion has had, I hope, the significance it's supposed to. And that this is a remembrance, and not just a remembrance, but a reality that we have an invitation to be present with God. We don't have to leave his side. He's not saying, believe in me and then go do something for me. He's saying, believe in me, be with me, and we'll go do stuff. But not apart. Jesus died for that. Sin was keeping us from that. He destroyed sin. He destroyed the punishment of sin. By his death, and more importantly, by his resurrection, he conquered it so that we can be with. To me, there is no more important word when it comes to Jesus than with. And you'll always hear that from me because it's the most important thing is you don't have the with. I would argue you don't have anything. We get to do this together as a sign that we get to be with him. So I want you uh, in this time just to be focusing on his goodness. I don't want you to focus on what you have or haven't done. But know that he sees you. Whether you believe it or not, he loves you deeply. Deeply. I want you to hold on to that. Because that's one of the greatest reasons why we love him is because he loved us first. It's one of the greatest reasons. And that will drive us to stay with him so people can see who he is in us and through us. Lord, we thank you. We're with you. And we thank you that you're with us. For those of us that are hurting, I know some of us are deeply hurting, I ask in Jesus' name that you would be their remedy, their comfort, and their peace. That they would be aware of you even more than they're aware of their own pain. We thank you that you invite us into this. And we thank you that you're inviting us still in this moment. Lord, we want to surrender. Deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow you, be with you. like to invite you. Would you stand with me? If you're willing. What we're doing here is worship. It's worship. Acknowledging him and praising him through remembrance. And the reality. This is the body of Christ broken for you 
So you never have to know if he's going to be with you or not. He always will be. He's always present. Take and eat in Jesus' name. And his blood shed on the cross so that we could be present and with him for all time. Not just here, but for all time. Take and drink in Jesus' name. So Lord, I pray that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. And that we would feel the desire for control begin to leave as we surrender to you in this moment and worship you. And I pray that we'd be aware of your Holy Spirit as you move through the lyrics, as you move through the proximity we have to one another, as you move through the melodies. If you move, as you move through the moment in its totality, we pray that we would be aware, we'd engage you, and you would stir us up. I would thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.